And just like that, we're back. <laughs> we're working on consistency. No, I'm kidding. Oh, that was very off key though. Mm, I hope you have headphones in. I hope nobody heard that. But let's just kick things off with if you're new here, welcome back or welcome to the After Hours with Amanda podcast, the podcast for whatever era of life you may be in, because I just feel like it's easier to keep it broad than to be so specific. Um, which doesn't actually help when I'm trying to put my podcast in a category because it's like, what category does it go in? But just like me, I've always felt kind of like a Heinz 57, which if you've ever heard that saying, it's just a a plethora of things. Uh, I can't say the word that amalgamation, is that the word? I don't know. But this episode is going to be pretty, I don't know, pretty special to me. And I think it's one that I've wanted to talk about now for a while because It's been a long year, and I mean that in kind of like the journey of last year, if you've been around the health, um, the fact I just had a second surgery last week, um, that one was luckily a little bit more on the quote-unquote cosmetic side, but the reason for it was actually not born out of cosmetic desire. Now, the first time I had booby surgery... (laughs) breast augmentation, that was born out of the fact that I literally just wanted my original boobs back from what I had previous to children. And I actually didn't go as big as what they were before the tiny queens and the three years on and off of breastfeeding each of them at different times and stuff. Um, But this one was more kind of a result of our health issue last year and getting that anal fissure. And this podcast today, I want to talk about pain. Um, Not only because I am, you know, post-op and healing, and we took a break from the podcast last week, and I did that intentionally. I thought to myself, yeah, I can pre-record an episode, and I can be on the schedule, and I can post an episode even though I'm having surgery. And then I thought to myself, where I'm at in my life, if I'm totally honest, the desire to be, like, authentic in what I'm doing and what's actually going on in life feels very important and paramount to me. So I'm not going to post an episode out of the fact that people will say, you need your listeners to have consistency. You need to have an episode out there. All the do's and don'ts of getting the exposure of, you know, driving the list. And I thought, no, this is for my community. Y'all that have been here and hung on for the two and a half years of this podcast. Um, The consistencies and inconsistencies. And I just want to talk about pain and I made a little video today because there's been this sound and I don't know if you saw it, but there's been this sound on Instagram lately and I want to say that Cece Winans uploaded it originally and if you're not familiar with Cece Winans, she is an absolute queen. I love her music and she sings The Goodness of God, which is one of my absolute favorite songs, Um, but she posted this sound a while back and I knew at some point this sound would have relevance for something that I wanted to share And um, if you are not familiar with uh, the B-I-B-L-E, boo, that's okay. I'm going to reference a couple things in this episode, but it doesn't require you to have knowledge of it to kind of share what I'm going to reference in it. But I'm going to speak from a really personal place today because I just feel like this is getting too important not to share. And I am going to be really authentic in the way that I'm not even sure how to share this last year's journey and what it's been for me online. Like, I don't know how, I I know I want to share it. I know I want to share with you the different health things that I've kind of like delved into, but I don't want to share it to the point where it feels like overwhelming and overly crunchy because y'all know that's not me. I'm the queen of like, give me some days 50-50, some days is 80-10, some days is 60-40, but every day we're doing our best to live in a way that feels most honest 
And I think authenticity and authentic, it kind of gets used. And even the word holistic can like be so intense for some people. But my therapist and I have been speaking recently about the fact that I really want to live in this authentic authentic, holistic in terms of just who I am and how I share that. And I, and figuring that out. And it's really interesting to be turning 37 this Thursday, this, this Thursday, good Lord, this Saturday. And to honestly be figuring out like how to adjust to myself and how I am going to be most myself. And it's funny because there's been different seasons where that feels super easy. And there's been different seasons where I'm like, okay, I'm entering into this new era and who is she and what's her like what's her vibe and let's check her out and let's meet her and they've all been me. And today I really want to focus on pain because I feel like pain is such an interesting concept, an interesting subject, an interesting experience. And I'm, you know, gonna take it back to we're coming up on the year anniversary. And I'm I'm telling you, like, this may not feel super intense for some people, but last year when I had that anal fissure. The pain level that I had was hours a day, hours, six hours, no less than six hours of excruciating, spasming pain, literally just the most intense, sharp pain where it felt hard to breathe sometimes in these waves. And it's coming up on the anniversary of that this October. And I can't tell you the almost anniversary feeling that I have of it. And when I look at where I was and when I look at like almost this unspoken fear, and I don't know if if you've ever experienced loss or pain or something that's brought great tragedy or intensity to your life, I don't know how that anniversary feels to you because I've dealt with different anniversaries, but in reality, even the passing of my mom and brother, this experience that I've had feels so different. And no, I am not comparing anal fissure and death, y'all. Like, don't even get that idea in your head or go there. But what I am saying is that this anniversary feels so intense because I felt like I had no control and I was so controlled in terms of not being able to do things. And I was just, I felt chained by that pain. And that anniversary coming up has honestly brought so many things to the surface. But... Without that experience last year, I cannot tell you, and it sounds so weird to say like an anal fissure changed my life, but that level of pain and that experience and going through what was actually relevant in my life, the people who were relevant in that season. See, because here's the thing. People will come to you and they'll tell you that you're not a very good friend. And I've had, actually, I have had people say that to me before. They've come to me and they've said, I was going through this and you weren't there for me. And you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And in some cases, like absolutely I've taken responsibility and been like, you know what? Yeah, I was all consumed. But there were some people during that season of my life last year who with being in pain and with me being honest about why I wasn't able to show up, that wasn't a good enough excuse for them. And to this day, when I see them and when I'm going through different things, they are always waiting for me. And here's the thing that I learned a long, long time ago. When I evaluate friendships, and this sounds, and it's not a test, but when I'm looking at friendships, because I think that as you get older, you really evaluate the quality and the quantity, and you realize that if your circle gets small, that's okay. You can have a great casual relationship, big circle and stuff like that. But when it comes to like the actual intimate people in my life, 
last year, and I don't like the term trim the fat, but it really, it, it really, um, what would be another word that we could use? Um, I don't know. It definitely like thinned out the friendships because what I learned was I was always calling and I was always reaching out and I was always doing these things. And yet it was never reciprocated when I went silent because I was telling a friend of mine um, who was struggling. Um, this is a, a while ago. They were, it was a particular topic in a particular relationship. And this is months and months ago. And I said, well, have you ever just stopped calling or stopped texting and waited to see what happens? And it's so interesting how in some relationships, if you don't call or text for, you know, a week or something, someone's like, hey, you good? And now this is not to say that there are friends that have different um, relationships. And like, I have friends that I might not talk to for weeks and weeks because we're busy, but then we're connecting and we're still doing those things and we show up, right? You show up when it's needed, right? But I'm talking about like the Hoovers and stuff right? The people that are just kind of always going around and they're expecting to be pushed and take what they need, but they're never giving anything back. And then when they're full, they just dump. Do you know what I mean? Like my mom used to talk about Hoover people and I know I've shared that before, but this idea of pain kind of being a catalyst where I know in 2020, a lot of us experienced um, what it was like to look at our lives and reevaluate stuff. And that's really what this last year did for me. This last year experiencing pain and going through this process of myself internally and looking at myself and having to sit in this pain and not being able to run from it and not being able to stop it and really saying like, what are the things that I can control, you know, control the controllable. And then what are the things that I can't control that I just have to give up? And I, um, again, that sound by CC Wine is about talking, being almost like this refining of fire and do I think that tragedy is brought, don't hear what I'm not saying with this. Okay. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't think you have to have tragedy or pain to become the person you're meant to be. I am not saying that the big guy, all right, my homie, Jesus, I'm not saying that he brings you the pain, right? But what I am saying is that when situations come to us that suck and that are hard and that honestly are just like balls, like what the heck, like why is this happening? What I am saying is that there can sometimes, and I'm not saying always, so don't hear what I'm not saying. And if you've, if you've been dealing with something that's especially hard, please don't take this on as look for the silver lining and everything because sometimes things just suck. And it's okay to have things just suck. But what I'm saying on my personal journey of last year and through multiple family deaths in like my life is that there is something that has allowed me to become more and more and more of who I want to be by allowing those experiences to not turn me into someone I don't want to be. You know, I heard a saying this week, it was so good. They said, feelings are indicators, not dictators. And I always tell my girls that our feelings are valid, but it doesn't always mean that they're facts in the situations. Do you know what I mean? Like just because you are upset about a decision I made saying no to, I don't know, a toy in Target, let's use something very basic, does not mean that I don't love you. It may feel like I'm being the worst person in the world saying no, and you are allowed to feel disappointed and upset and angry and frustrated. But that does not change the lifetime of love that I have for you, right? And so what I'm saying in this is that 
sometimes experience can drive us further away from that person we want to be. And sometimes it leads us running towards it. Because last year being in that pain, I realized and looked around me at the people and the things and even the foods. I mean, here's the thing. I had my gallbladder out when I was 13 and I'm just going to overshare because when don't I? I had my gallbladder out when I was 13. And honestly, I don't remember a lot about that. I just remember that was the doctor's recommendation. And that's what we did at the time. That's what my mother went with. Um, and ever since then, they say the gallbladder, don't even get me started. They say the gallbladder is not something you desperately need. Um, I'm going to beg to differ on that, boo. Like if it's possible, um, I would keep the gallbladder. Um, it's different in case scenarios where you have like gallstones or different like situations where it's absolutely imperative, right? But for me, I'm like, ooh, I would have loved to vote to do a little more research in that moment. But what I didn't realize was when you don't have a gallbladder, you know, that's what breaks down oils in your body. And as a young kid, like that just didn't register for me. And I didn't change my diet very much, right? Like I was like, mm, whatever, I love fried food. I'm going to eat it anyway. Um, I can tell you at 36, almost 37 years old, it is not a like, mm, I'm so healthy. I don't love fried food or, you know what? I don't want that food. It is a, you know what? I honestly just don't want to pay for the GI low-key diarrheal issues and possible like hemorrhoid issues that I will suffer from this meal. It is just not worth it, you know? And I think it's so interesting because a lot of times in different situations I've gotten teased because I'm a snack packer now. I'm a high fiber person because that is what I know I operate best on. And what's so hard is people look at that and they go, you're eating raspberries and almonds and fish and broccoli, and that must be boring. Or they take it as a slight, like, oh, you're so healthy. And I'm like, girl, no. Oh my God. Like, absolutely not. Like, give me, there are some days like, and I will absolutely down a Chicago dog now and then. Okay. Like if I've been good with the fiber and the water is flowing, like we will eat that Chicago dog with all the fixings and I will be adding ketchup. I know that's not a true Chicago dog, but like, don't steal ketchup from me. Okay. But that choice that I make has no reflection on anyone else. And see what I realized last year being in pain and even right now going through this this replacement of the implant. And what really happened here, let me tell you what really happened here. Last year when I changed my diet to accommodate the anal fissure and to make sure that I didn't run into that issue again, um, I went to like a high fiber diet. That doesn't mean that I don't eat carbs. That just means that the majority of my diet, I focus on fiber. That's going to be fish. That's going to be high fiber fruits, high fiber vegetables, um, not as much red meat as I used to, I'm not as like, I, I don't do dairy. I haven't since Paige was born. Um, but just kind of getting away from those things. And that actually caused me to have a weight loss. And I haven't talked about that a lot because I know it can be super triggering for people having an, um, you know, an experience with ED myself and disordered eating. And I know how intense that can be, but the honest part of the story is the fact that I lost probably eating high fiber and eating actually a ridiculous amount of food. I was like eating every two hours, which was weird. Um, I lost about 18 to 20 pounds. Did not, did not need to lose that. That is just what my body responded to with that. Um, and I've, you know, kind of slowly incorporated other foods and reached like a place where I feel super good about myself in terms of health, how my body is functioning and what that looks like energy wise and how that affects like hormones and stuff. Right. Because that plays into that as we get closer to our forties over here. And it's so interesting because my body responded to that in hormone shifts 
in the way that it distributed the fat in my body, in the way that I experienced basically loose skin on one boob, my right side. And it became a lot larger. It was as if my body was like, yo girl, we, we lost some weight. We found a new place. We're going to put it. Let's put pocket it in that right booby. We're going to pocket it up in there. And then, you know, with the elasticity of that skin, because that implant and stuff is all different now, we're going to, it caused sagging. And so what would have happened over time was it would have continued to just get, you know, larger in a sense. And, um, because of the sagging and stuff. So I had to go in and have that kind of like lifted and the implant changed out to a smaller one. So now, even though my boobs are identical, they're literally 50 cc's different. And I'm not going to get into what the cc's are because it's super personalized. And I would say this because now I've experienced, um, you could see someone with like boobs that you do not think is that big who have double the cc's you might, right? And then you could see people with boobs who are like, your boobs are huge and they have less cc's than you. So to each his own with that. But what I experienced was that is that our body goes through so many changes. And as my body went through those changes, it was really difficult physically because I was in so much pain and I couldn't control what was happening. But there was this refining in me looking at the things around me, almost as if I did in 2020 and saying like, what do I really need from this? What is this going to give me? And it reminds me of this thing I heard recently, and I'm going to say that it was Mel Robbins, um, Brian Brown, Mel Robbins, really love them. And Mel Robbins has this theory. And I tell the girls, um, like it, I call it like, we call it kind of worry about yourself, but I love the way she put it, which was like the let them see, because what I've learned through the pain is that when you're in so much pain, like I was last year, you really cannot spend time worrying about what other people are thinking at that moment. You don't have time for other people's opinions because you are just trying to exist. You've got so much going on that the opinions of others is literally the last thing you have on your mind. Okay, hold on, I'm gonna take a drink of water. And it led me, sorry if you heard that giant gulp, um, but it led me to this story in the Bible that I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which um, basically they go into this fiery furnace um, because they're being persecuted. And they stand in that fiery furnace and the king's looking at it. And he's like, I sent three people in there and there's four and there's an angel in there, right? And when they should have been burned alive, they were not. They came out. They didn't even smell like smoke. And it just was this very poignant moment. It's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I think that that just comes from the fact that whenever I have felt like there is fire around me, I have thought of them and it has brought me a lot of comfort. And whether or not that's your cup of tea, like, you know, boo, like, don't worry about it. But for me, that is so impactful. And it is something that I lived by the last year, realizing that in that fire, if I was so concerned with what everybody else was thinking about it, I just felt like I would burn up. And I didn't have time because I was just trying to exist. And it's interesting because having surgery this last week and not being able to drive is very difficult for me. I am a hyper-independent person. Take for that what you will. A lot of people are like, hyper-independence is born out of not being able to rely on anybody else. Um, and my hyper-independence probably honestly is bore out of that. But it's actually not the cause like of why I became so hyper-independent. And that is something that was so interesting in my therapy session this week. And I'm going to actually share with you. <laughs> Which as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, you're literally going to talk about this. Okay. But I feel like you need to hear this. So I don't talk a lot about my inner child. 
um, because I just don't trust people with it. And here's what I mean by that. When we go through experiences, what I learned is there is this very protective nature about myself where I feel like a little Amanda went through a lot. Having a mom had a mental breakdown um, in second grade when you're like seven years old and having her go into a hospital and your dad be overseas in a completely other country and there for another two years on a contract and you living through that, she is my idol little Amanda. And I say that without being like, oh, I'm so cool. No, little Amanda surviving that with joy in her heart on days, I'm proud of her. And so when people want me to share, my therapist always says that I'm an extremely good downloader. Like I can share with people, but it's not always really getting to the apple core. You know what I mean? So I'm going to share a little bit of that apple core. And I can't believe that I, again, I'm saying this out loud and I'm like, okay, we're going to put that on the internet for people to listen to. But I think it's important because I think sometimes we don't share and we, we get upset at ourselves, right? Like I'm not going to share this and that makes me, I don't know, have a wall up. But here's another perspective I want to take to you. The reason that I quote unquote don't always share that part is because I don't have to. And the reason being is because Will that person care for what I am about to share in the way that I care and in the way I need them to? And here's the the sad truth. I'm going to be honest. A lot of times when I will share something, if it is not met with that care and concern that I believe it holds, which not a lot of people can meet it with because they're not literally me and I can't hold them accountable for it, but it also means that I don't need to share it. But it also means what I do share, I can say, look, this is actually a really intimate part of myself. And to share this with you, I need you to understand the validity and the intensity and the care that I need you to take of what I'm about to share because it is delicate. And there's nothing wrong with asking someone to hold that in a very, very, very delicate way because here's the thing. She's been through enough. Little Amanda, she went through enough, okay? And my therapist was telling me it's very interesting A lot of times when you go through different traumas, I guess you can go internal or external. External tends to go to more the blame, right? And I get asked a lot in my life, oh, are you mad at your mom for like the mental health issue? Oh, are you mad at your brother for being the addict? Or are you frustrated at your dad because he traveled? And my answer to that has always been no, because I honestly actually have no ill feelings towards those. Even when my brother was going through it, I wasn't like, oh, my brother sucks. He sucks so bad. But you know what I did instead that we figured out this week? I went internal. And I made myself responsible to not add to the load. I could see the load my mom had. I could see the load my brother had. I could see the load my dad had. And I made it my desire and my mission as a child without any asking from anybody to just be like, you know what? I'm not going to add to anything. I am only going to give and I am only going to uh, make it better. And I was driven to become this more achievement-driven person. And now let me be honest, that has served me a lot in my life because it's made me absolutely obsessed and dedicated to the things that I do. I'll stay up late to get something done. Like I am passionate about the things I do, but it has also had this, and I'm going to share this. And I literally, my therapist was like, this is super intimate. It has also led me to feel very, 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 
low self-worth when it comes to me not feeling like I'm performing. And here's the thing. Has anybody in my life treated me this way? No. Blake has never been like, wow, Amanda, the house looks terrible, terrible, terrible. You're really dropping the ball on these things. My self-worth has never been tied to any of those things. But I have inherently, because of the tiny person I was, looked at the people around me and said, they're busy enough as it is. They don't need my load. I'm going to be the person that takes off their load and I'm going to bring the joy and I'm going to bring the happiness and I'm just going to make it better. And I won't add to it at all. And so in turn, when I do drop the ball and now it could be a simple question as even a tiny human saying like, oh, mom, did you fill out that permission slip? And me being like, no, no, but I, I, I've got a lot going on. I'm going to do because I have so much value in my own mind placed on that achievement and that not dropping the ball and that not adding to anything. And that honestly being exacerbated probably by motherhood because there's three more people that I love literally more than I ever imagined to the ends of this earth would give up my life for them. And dropping the ball in my mind with them is failing. And I don't want to to and and it's tied to that self-worth. And it's something that I would not have learned with such a trigger. Why? When Blake says, oh, hey, did you get to run by FedEx to drop off that thing I left in the car? And me being like, no. And him being like, oh, darn it. Very casually, very like, oh, okay, we'll get it done tomorrow. Me literally being like, you know what, though? I'm doing the best I can. Realizing that what that trigger was without sitting in this last year of pain and honestly, this freaking boob surgery that I did not want to honestly get done. But there was no good time to get it done. The problem was only going to get worse and honestly cause other issues. And people can say what they want. People can be like, oh, well, you got a boob job and that's your, you know what, girl, I do you. But what I really tell my girls is worry about yourself. But at the end of the day, having to sit and ask for help and not be able to drive and not be able to do the things that I could normally do that could mask that desire to go, to go, to achieve, achieve, would not have taught me about the trigger. It would not have taught me that magnesium, and I'm really like, boom, right turn here, that magnesium helps me sleep. That ashwagandha, honestly, and the brand that I found that works for me, settled me. That CoQ10 helps my hormones. It wouldn't have taught me to look into the friendships that I have and evaluate the people that are adding to my life. And that's not to say only friends that add to your life, right? Because I look at friendships like I look at a relationship. Um, you guys have probably heard it before where they talk about like relationships aren't 50-50 in marriage. Like that, that is absolutely insane. I don't agree with that. And I don't I, I subscribe to it at all. It is a checking in of what do you have to give today? And what do I have to give today? And that's how I approach my friendships. I don't approach my friendships with, I've called you three times. You've called me none at all. If I notice a friend's not calling, I'm like, yo, boo, why aren't you calling? You good? Everything good? And then with time, I evaluate, am I the old one always, always, always giving 80 and they're always giving 20? Is this person calling me when they have no one else to call or are they inviting me to the things that they invite others to? Like it, it's, and it's, let me tell you what, social media, ooh, she'll expose you. She will expose you. And if you're seeing things on social media that are making you feel a certain way about a friendship or a relationship, you need to evaluate why you feel that way. Chat with the other person about your how you're feeling and then evaluate what that looks for you moving forward. Because here's the thing. People can say they want the relationship, they want this. But it's there are moments, and here's the thing. Like, I can't come to something, sure. And you might see me posting something here. The, call me out. Talk to me about it. Let's evaluate it. But at the end of the day, 
you have time for the things you will make time for. And there's not a lot of great things that were taught to me in my direct selling days, honestly. But one thing that came out of it was the people who want to make time for you and certain things, they'll do it. They'll find the time. And the things they don't want to do and the people they don't want to make time for, they don't. And sometimes that's a hard truth to hear. But getting back to the pain in the last year, going through that experience and the fear that that anniversary is bringing up for me, that pain and going through it stripped away everything that I thought in terms of what I was doing. And it made me say, I need to be honest about the things I truly care about and what I'm actually doing. And if that means that I just become the snack packer and people have their opinions about that, then I'm the snack packer that people have opinions about. Because at the end of the day, I'm over here functioning well, my gallbladder. I mean, you guys, I'm the girl who before that anal fissure happened, I would have like diarrhea three to four times a day. My GI was an absolute mess. And now I'm not kidding you when I tell you I go to the bathroom once every morning. And if that's TMI, that's TMI, babe. But we're besties and that's what I would tell my bestie, okay? If I'm the girl that you always see with the water, I'm the girl you always see with the water. If I'm the girl that's talking about the magnesium and the CoQ10 and the ashwagandha and the zinc with quercetin and the vitamin D and the deficiency, and the, then that's who I am. But I'm also a lot of other things. I'm also the girl that loves a girl's night. I'm also the girl that loves a McDonald's Coke and some French fries dipped in barbecue sauce. Pain taught me last year that the person you are doesn't necessarily have to be boxed in. You don't have to niche yourself to death. And you don't have to niche yourself for other people's view of you. Sometimes the pain we go through, like when I lost my mom, it taught me I had no idea who I was because I was gifted with a mother who loved me very much, but had an opinion on so many things. And I always just thought knew better. And I had to figure out who I was when she passed. Losing my brother and that pain taught me that there were just some things that were non-negotiables for me. And that people were more than what they looked like in terms of an addict. And it taught me that the people that showed up at the funeral that hadn't said boo in years. thats I can't tell you, oh, don't get me started on the pet peeve of funerals. When people show up and it's a lot of more times about them and their guilt than really that person that was there. Because people showed up to his funeral that I hadn't seen in like a cool five to ten years. And came in saying all these things. And all I could think to myself was, where were you when he was in pain? Sitting, talking about it most likely and judging it. Because it feels so much better sometimes when we see people who are quote unquote doing something worse than we are so we can feel more validated in ourselves. And please, I'm preaching to the choir over here. I've been there too. Like, oh, well, you know what? At least, at least I'm not doing X, Y, Z, right? I'm At least I can validate my humanity with what I'm doing in this moment. Aren't I such a good person? And what the pain taught me is that at the end of the day, you cannot judge anyone if you have not walked in their shoes. And even then when you're walking in their shoes, you shouldn't be judging them. Pain taught me that sometimes you're going to find out that the people that you think care so very, very much are not able to show up for you when you need them. 
pain taught me that the thinning of the herd and the friendship is okay. See, because we we kind of have this idea, at least I did growing up, that you need all these girlfriends, right? Like you are not, like in college, I didn't have all these girlfriends. And I think it's amazing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I am here. Like I really do wish I would have joined a sorority at some point because I really think that I would have had a good time, right? But I only felt like I had ever only missed out because I didn't have like this plethora of girlfriends or all these amazing people. Like even when I went to pick bridesmaids, I felt like I had to have the exact same amount of bridesmaids that Blake had with groomsmen. Blake had amazing friendships in college and I had good friendships too, but I felt like, oh no, this is what you do. Honestly, if I could go back, I would have like two bridesmaids tops. (laughs) Like it, it has taught me that sometimes the things that you are doing to make yourself better, the therapy people are going to have opinions about, the supplements people are going to have opinions about, and they're going to be triggered by it. I've had someone say to me like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're just so much healthier than I am. And I'm like, no, God, literally I was in the hospital with a cut in my butthole. I had to have surgery for girl. This is half out of PTSD and half out of the fact that this is what I have to do to work for my, like to work, to keep my system going the way she goes. Don't get me wrong. I'm still eating popcorn at movies and splurging and doing those things, but I'm doing this because this is what works for me. You don't need to feel judged off of that. But what you realize is that there is this refining that happens. And I really like who I'm becoming. And I don't enjoy the pain at all. I never will. I never think that pain, I don't want anyone to be in pain. I share about this so much because honestly, I'm like, girl, eat your fiber, eat your fiber, eat your fiber, drink your water, drink your water. Like, let me help you out now. The amount of people I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, so here's my list of favorite supplements. Here's my list of all my favorite snacks. Here's my list, like try some different things, figure what works for you. Like get that good flora in your gut, baby. Like, but also don't be overwhelmed because my God, Sometimes when people get on the like ingredient train, it's like, okay, I just need you to chill out because I'm just going to go drink my iced coffee right now because that mentally right now is what's going to work for me. And there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong about reading an ingredient label and being like, all right, yeah, I see the value in this today. And you know what? This is going to be my my 40% today, but my 60% is going to walk over here and do X, Y, Z. See, because there's something that amazing that happened for me thinking about that story and going back to that sound that CeCe Winans posted that made me feel so much towards that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Bible when they're in that fiery furnace. There's all these people outside the furnace, right? Giving all these opinions to them inside, but they're not standing in the freaking fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. And they were living on a prayer, literally. And that angel showed up for them and that was their experience. And they came out of that with their experience of the fire. And and it wasn't anybody else's and it wasn't meant for anybody else. And it wasn't meant to be explained or justified or validated by anybody else. But what they did was they took that and they went with that and they shared with that and they loved with that. And I say this all the time when I think of people in chronic pain, you know, people are always like, oh, people with chronic pain, you know, this and that. Don't you dare ever. Oh, okay. Don't you ever say something about someone in chronic pain. 
I experienced for four months something that got taken care of and I was by the grace of God healed with the surgery and with the choices. There are some people who live with things every day that they have to live with. And that is an absolute warrior's journey. I won't have it said any other way and I won't have them judged on any level. But I don't know and I keep, I I share with you in this episode because to sit in pain sometimes, and my therapist said, you know, because I was telling her it's hard, it's hard because I want to go and I want to do and I want to pick up the girls and I can't pick up anything on my right side that's more than 10 pounds right now and I feel like a failure and I'm failing them. And she goes, think of it this way. You only have three more weeks to sit in what you're feeling of your inner child, of the Amanda who feels like if she doesn't keep it up, if she's adding to someone's place, they're going to look at her and go, gosh, you're just adding to me. I don't need this right now. You know, there was this thing my mom did um, after her breakdown, and I haven't shared this broadly, but um, my mom, God, she had the best laugh in the entire world. Her laugh was infectious, but after her breakdown, sometimes she would start laughing, and if you made her laugh too hard, it would be as almost if she had tapped into another emotion, and then she would start sobbing. And sometimes this crying would stop, and sometimes this crying would end us back up in the psychiatric ward because it was uncontrollable. And for so long, there was this anxiety my entire life that came with saying something that was funny or doing something that was funny, but not too funny, not too funny, not too much, not too much, because then it would trigger the other thing. And getting to look at little Amanda and see that she went internal and she went to hanging her self-worth on making sure that everyone liked her because she didn't want to be an inconvenience to anyone and not in a people-pleasing way, but basically in a people-pleasing way because I never saw myself as a people-pleaser. But almost this version of myself that needed to figure out the way to be the best for that person. And it's a fool's errand in terms of hanging your self-worth on that. Because when I got in the position I was last year in that pain, I couldn't be anything to anyone. I was barely existing. Truly. And I want to tell you today that that is okay. It is okay to realize that your self-worth is tied to something. It's okay for me to realize that I actually get triggered when someone asks me, well, actually it's Blake. It's specifically Blake because I love him so much. I don't get triggered by other people that way. It's the kids and Blake because I hold them in the highest position in my life. But it's okay to realize that when Blake says, hey, honey, did you get to run by FedEx today? That I can look at him and I can go, no, I didn't. And as I feel that little piece of me, that part of me, because we do parts work in therapy, rising up saying, you unworthy, wow, he is going to think to himself, what is she even good for? Which is such a negative thought to have and something that he's never even expressed to me. But I can look at that and I can say to that part, hey, Amanda, you don't actually have to live like that anymore. You're not in that place anymore. You're not living in that emotional stasis anymore. And I can look at her and I can say, it's okay. And I can look at Blake and say, hey, sorry, I'm having a moment and I'm feeling like I didn't do good enough in that. And I'm just like taking a second. And then Blake can look at me and be like, okay. And I cannot take it to the next level and tell him, basically create an argument. And I can quit trying to appease to other people when no matter what I say to them, they're going to put through their own filter and they're going to go back and tell their version of it. 
Someone is always going to have a version of you in their mind. And it's honestly not your job to correct it anymore, whether it's family, whether it's friends. And that's a, that's a preaching to the choir statement. You do not need to edit yourself or the jokes you make or the things you say because somebody's going to take it and run with it for their benefit to make themselves look better, to make themselves look better, or even use it in another relationship to make you look a certain way to another people. It's not your job, babe. It's not your job. It isn't. And I want to free you up from that. I want to free you up to say that when I was in that pain last year, it whittled away and it, it basically took out all the different things. It stripped it all away. And it's been a rebuilding year. And it is okay to look at that and start saying, I don't know what this version of myself looks like, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to. And I'm going to share about that. And not everyone's going to think that's cool. And not everyone thinks that's amazing. And some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, ew, Amanda talking about this again. But that's okay. Because the person that needs that message is going to receive it. And the person that I'm talking to, whether it's preaching to myself or whether it's just to you, and you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, wow, it's to me, then that's all that matters. Because pain sucks. And it's not meant to make you feel any better about yourself. And it doesn't mean that there's always a silver lining. But it does mean that if you go through something painful and it changes who you are, you are allowed to develop in that way and figure out what that looks like for you and who that looks like for you. And what relationships can come along with you on that journey. And what relationships are just going to stay as they are and won't go any further. And that's okay. I love you so much. And I love spending time with you. I hope that this brought you some joy today and I hope that this brought you some peace. And no matter where this podcast takes us, if it's always just this little corner, I'll be here to chat with you. And if no one has told you lately, I love you. You are valued. You have exponential and limitless potential. Your pain is valid. Don't let anybody invalidate you on that effort because they're not walking in your shoes. And my favorite little saying that Mr. Rogers always says, I like you just the way you are. Remember today that feelings are indicators and not dictators. Don't allow the feelings that you get in a certain situation dictate an incorrect thought and mindset about yourself. And remember today as someone who's recovering from an achievement self-worth that I'll continue to share about because as intimate it is for me, I think it's important to share so someone else can learn that you are allowed to be loved when you're performing at 0% and you are allowed and should be loved when you're performing at any percent, even if it's not 100. Okay? All right. Until next time, have a wonderful week.